Welcome to Make Your Move, the podcast designed to help you get on the property ladder and then figure out what the hell you're doing once you're on there. From deposits to mortgages, surveys to moving day, we can help. Make Your Move is brought to you by Really Moving, the price comparison site for moving home services. Let's get into our episode. Welcome to today's episode on how to deal with estate agents with really moving sister company, the law superstores Callum Suter. Now working on the sales team, Callum was previously an established real estate agent and has kindly joined us to share his experience and knowledge on the inner workings and minds of estate agents. We learned a lot about how the buying and selling process works from the inside, how estate agents are obliged to deal with clients and what you must ask before putting down a deposit on a property. We hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Stick around for a little surprise at the end of the episode. Welcome, Callum. Hi. Well, morning all, or afternoon, wherever the time is going to be. Thank you very much for having me on. So brief introduction to myself. I've been with the Law Superstore, which is the sister company of Really Moving for about three years now. I do have nearly a decade experience in the estate agency field, both independent and uh, corporate estate agency. So I've been around in the game for a long time and we say we'd just like to teach you all things about estate agents, all the ins and outs and what's the best things to do as a buyer to learn from your experience. Perfect, thank you. Yes, I think there's lots and lots to talk about. One of the things we've noticed people seem to get a bit confused about when they're buying a property and they're talking to a lovely estate agent who's got all the information is that the estate agent isn't working for them. (laughs) So did you want to just break down how estate agents actually make their money, who they're working for? Yeah, no, 100%. So ultimately, the, the estate agent acts for the seller of the property that they're instructed to sell because the seller will pay the estate agent a fee for completing on the purchase of their property. So the buyer as such, uh, they don't pay any money towards the estate agent for the transaction. So I mean, the estate agent in the background, what they'll do for the seller, there's quite a lot that is done. So you've got the advertising of the property, you've got photos, they might have professional photos, floor plans, they'll advise the seller as to what stuff they need to sell the property energy performance certificate is a, is a good example of that. The estate agent also, they'll have a pool of potential buyers, not only from advertising, but from people who say missed out the home before, who've registered for them to have an interest in the property. So they will actively sell your property to get as many people in to view your property and to gain as many offers as they can, negotiate on those offers. And then once an offer is being negotiated and accepted, then it goes through the process of sole service to contract to completion, which is a whole other journey, which I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into a bit more as we go on. So at what point does the estate agent get paid? Yeah, so the estate agent gets paid upon completion of the property. So what would happen is, uh, let's just say you offer on a property and it gets accepted. So it is marked as under offer or sold subject to contract. And then what will happen in the background from there is both parties, buyer and seller, will have a solicitor instructor. They'll talk between themselves. They'll be inquiring about properties, sending question outs to one another just to make sure they're acting in the best interest of their clients and they're happy for the purchase. Then you've got land registry. A lot of stuff happens in the background. And then at the final hurdle is something called exchange of contracts. Now, when you exchange on the property of exchange of contracts, that is a legally binding part of the process to say that neither buyer nor seller can pull out of the purchase. One can pull out at that at that point, but they will be hit with a very, very hefty penalty. Um, so it's uh, very, very 
rare for that to happen. And then from exchange of contracts, what you get from exchange of contracts, you get something called a completion date, i.e. moving in date. So that's the date where the transaction is completed. Everyone's got their moving bands already and they're ready to move into the property. At that point of completion on that day is when the seller will receive an invoice to pay their fee for the estate agent. So really the estate agent is trying to get you to that point? 100%, yes. So half the journey for a estate agent, it's the easiest part, I'd say, honestly, for, for being in the stage of previously is actually sourcing the buyer and, and negotiating the offer and get that property under offer or sole subject contract, as mentioned. The hardest part is getting it bit to the end, i.e. completion and exchange of contracts, because there's lots of hurdles in, that can be involved. One might have survey or done on the property, they find problems and not happy, they want to renegotiate on the offer. And there could be lots of other stuff in the mix. And then it gets really, really tricky is when it comes to completion. Let's just say you've got five or six people involved in the transaction. You've got Mr. Smith, who's got his one bedroom flat, he's buying a two bedroom house. And then this people's buying a three bedroom house. It goes up. So you can have a chain of about five to six people. You need to please all those people. So, and you need to get them all to agree, right? Completion is going to happen on this day. You've got holidays. You've got people who might be ill for one reason or another who can't commit to that day. There's so many things. You've got to please so many people in order to get that stage to completion right at the end. So there's a lot of work that goes in the background there. So your estate agent will not only talk to you, they'll talk to, um, as in the buyer, they'll talk to the, the seller. They might even get involved with the other solicitors, for example, other estate agents involved in the chain to try and negotiate and find a sweet spot for a date. There's a load of conversations that happen in the background. And um, what do um, what don't people understand about estate agents? I imagine when those issues crop up, it's I'm literally just guessing here. They might not have that understanding that there are a lot of other things in the That's mix. To- no, that, that is so true. That is so true because um, people think typically, for example, they they find a house, they put an offer in it, and then that's it. But I think a lot of people don't understand the true what that happens in the, in the background, the things that can crop up and the art of what this stage does as to negotiate to make everyone happy to proceed with a purchase. But there are quite a few things, to be fair, that people don't really know about estate agents. For example, estate agents do not have to be trained, qualified or licensed in order to operate and do what they do however they must adhere to certain regulations by law for example there's the estate agency act which is 1979 from memory which very simply commands prompt and honest and fair service for both buyers and sellers and compels agents to act in the best interest of their client of all times so there's rules and regs there that uh, they just have to adhere to in order to practice, even though they don't have to be qualified to do so. There's also a property ombudsman scheme in place available to the public should, God forbid, a buyer have uh, not so good experience with their estate agent for one reason or another. Once they've exhausted all avenues of trying to make a complaint to the estate agent, the ombudsman there is to step in and try and resolve the matter for both buyers and sellers. That's one point. Another point, which does get talked a lot, quite to be fair, is valuations. So, for example, when I used to go and value properties, whether someone calls up and say, I want the valuation of a house, I'm looking to sell. The valuation figures I provide to them or how much I think their house is worth is very simply down to my humble opinion of what I think it's worth. I'll have to show evidence as to why I think it's worth X. So I would have something called comparables. I see what's been going on in the neighborhood, what other two, three bedroom houses similar to this property have gone for. And what I honestly believe the property, what I would want 
want to market the property for. And then I look at the seller's circumstances. So for example, if a seller says, Callum, I'm not in any rush to sell at the moment. I'm, I haven't really found anywhere. I kind of just want to sort of test the waters and just see how I get on. So if I think the property is worth, say, £200,000, I might advertise it for a bit higher say 230,000 or something like that because that's what the owner said he wants to test the market he's in no rush but it can work on the opposite side let's just say the seller says Callum I'm glad you come round I found this house it is beautiful I want to move into it I want to buy it as soon as possible I need to sell as soon as possible if the vendor's happy we'll advertise it for a bit lower than the 200,000 pound mark in order to sell the property as quickly as possible but we always act in the best interest of the seller at the end of the day yeah, actually, that brings me on to a question I had about caveat emptor and sort of how much you have to tell the potential buyer when you're viewing a property. So is it true that to so the person viewing the property, it's their responsibility to ask questions about the property and to find out if there's anything wrong with it? Or is it your responsibility as an estate agent to tell them there's been some issues or actually there's a problem? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's a very, very good question, to be fair. This, this is one of the things that can cause problems if not addressed down the line. So if there is a obvious problem with the property, let's say structurally, for example, let's just say what, what, what happens is when the estate agent goes around to a property and they agree, they agree a fee, what they're going to do and everything else, how they're going to advertise the property. What we give the owners is something to fill out themselves called a property questionnaire form. And these will be questions that the vendor, well, I say the vendor and the seller. And so that's that the stage language there. They will have to tick that like, tick box basically. You have to make us aware of anything that we should be aware of that might influence a buyer's decision to buy the property. Let's just say, for example, if there was obvious um, damp, if there's been structural movement, if there has been a serious crime committed at the property, any sort of little things, basically, that can sort of deter a buyer. And if the vendor has made us aware of that, the estate is legally obligated to make the buyer aware of it. Prime example, let's just say we we had a buyer in a house. The old buyer did a survey in the house and it found out that he needed a whole new roof. Now, you're not really going to know if it needs a new roof unless you're a roof expert or you you can see for yourself that the tiles are falling off, for example. But most people can't really see that. And let's just say the old buyer pulls up because he goes, no, you know what? It's going to cost me £50,000 in places. I can't afford it. I'm going to go and look somewhere else. The estate agent is now aware there's a problem with the roof as well as the seller now. So when we market the property again, we do have a legal obligation at this point now to make the new buyer aware Right, we did have a survey done on this property some time ago and they formed us the roof is in a very, very bad way it was going to need replacing. And we do have to do that because you can imagine for a scenario, for example, if the station didn't tell the new buyer that at that convenient time and he got a survey and it pops up the same thing, you're going to know like a right body, unfortunately, and it's just going to cause pain for everyone involved. So there are certain things, for example, that a stager does have to disclose to you. Are there any key questions that you would recommend to buyers? Yep. So um, you can ask, for, uh, for example, when you go around to the property, what is the situation with the owners? Have they found somewhere? Uh, is it chain free? You can ask, these, is there anything about this property you should make me aware of? At this point, there's no harm in asking as many questions 
as you possibly can. I could ask about the local area. There's a lot of things that a state agent can talk to you about, for example, but they're sending they're sending the area to. So prime example, they could talk about sort of what the local amenities are, the shops, schools, parks, doctors, what's going around in the local area. The safer property is in needs a bit of work. A good estate agent can help the buyer visualize what the property could look like once it's all done up, for example, or an extension, and they can help visualize, yeah, this you can do this. I've seen the house down the road, for example, and they've done this. They can help visualize the buyer for that. I would say the estate the estate agent there, when you're asking questions, they're learning more about you. That's in their best interest because they will learn more about what you as a buyer are looking for in the property. There might be something that they know is coming up or is already on the market. Which they think, well, you've been this house, you've just told me what you want it. I'm gonna take you in my car, we're gonna to go to this house next. So it's always the best to just ask questions, get to know your estate agent, and let them get to know you. Yeah, so you kind of covered this a bit just now, but obviously on the flip side of that, what are estate agents looking for in a buyer? Because obviously you're trying to sell the property. So what makes you attractive to an estate agent if you're interested in a property and you want them to sell it? Yeah, it's a good question. If you short the question, you're asking if the estate agent sort of judges a potential buyer and what we're looking for. And in short, yes, we do. It doesn't. It, it sounds a bit ugly, but it doesn't mean to be. We are judging each buyer that comes through the door, each person we deal with. This is because solely we act for the estate agent. So we carefully vet each buyer when they first make contact whilst they're viewing to see if they're a good buyer. For example, if I had someone call me up, and say, yeah, that I'm really interested. I want to view this house. Okay, yes, yes, yes. This is what you want. Da, 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 da. One of the big questions that a state agent should ask is, what is your situation financially? Are you looking to get a mortgage? Is it cash? Are you need to sell a property? What is your situation? And you could get, for example, someone said, well, um, I need to get a mortgage. Okay, great. So you've been to see someone already about that? They could, sometimes they could say no. So they don't know how much they can afford. And that's immediately kind of off-putting for an estate agent because we want them to know how much they can afford to buy. And that's sort of until we know that, there's no point in us sort of putting our resources to that person to they know how much they can afford. And that's, that's for the vendor's benefit as well. They could be cleaning their home from top to bottom for the single person just to find out once they view it made an offer that they can't afford to buy it. So that's a that's a quite a big one, to be fair. We also judge if they're serious buyers. I've had a few times in the past where I've had people just view houses almost for a laugh just to just just a saturday afternoon oh let's just go and have a look da, 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 da. are these buyers being realistic on what they want are they being a bit too picky that is our job as estate agents so through time you do become good at sort of reading people and their behavior and you can normally pick out a good buyer just from before an offer comes in anyway so it's really the buyer's responsibility to speak to a mortgage advisor before they even sort of go in and have a chat yeah, it's it's so important. It don't have to, but it massively helps all stakeholders involved because that's the one thing I would truly advise that anybody buy, looking to buy a property first, they need to know how much they can afford. They need to go and speak to either the local high street bank or speaking to a independent financial advisor. Now, I would always recommend one to speak to a financial advisor, whether it be local or found on the internet, wherever have you, simply because if you go to your high street bank say santander halifax other banks are available they are only going to tell you the deals that they will offer you they're not going to tell you about their rivals unfortunately however if you go to independent financial advisor they will look at all the banks all the lenders they'll give you a thousand different options rather than say 10 or 20 from your your local bank and as to say they will show you how much you can afford there'll be nothing more upsetting unfortunately is you go and find your dream house for example and then you go and speak to your mortgage broker and yeah you can't get a mortgage for they go out being property so they know exactly what they're 
looking for. That's really handy because I wouldn't have, I, it seems really obvious to not go to a bank that is a business, but it's, um, it is a really handy little piece of information. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it get me wrong. Yeah. Going to a bank is always convenience, if that makes sense, yeah. because it, it feels safe. You know, it's your bank. You, uh, you put trust into it, but yeah, seeing a financial advisor, they could save you thousands of pounds, but you mm. wouldn't even know, believe it, because then you didn't know they had another deal going on in the background. Always, always seek an independent financial advisor to get the best deal because you want to save as much best money as you can. So I'm interested in what is the relationship like between estate agents and conveyances? Like how much do they communicate and how much overlap is between their jobs? Uh, so it's a, that's a very, very good question, to be fair, because it's a, a mix, to be fair. So a lot of estate agents, especially of the the corporate estate agents, they will have a solid referrer, i.e. to the customer. They would say uh, to the buyer, for example, well, look, you made an offer via us, which is great. We do have our recommended conveyance for you guys to use. Best thing of all, it's all done under one roof. And uh, yeah, we, we, they, they can advise and sort of cross-sell. That's ultimately what they're doing. They're referring you to different services that you need in order to get the transaction done. So yeah, the estate agent, they normally do have a good relationship with conveyances. Obviously, it depends on how much they use them if everything else there might be some sort of referral scheme that the conveyancer will pay the estate agent for passing over business to them which estate agent does have to disclose by the way there was a recent law made a few years ago but normally the relationship is good they'll work together because the estate agent can deal with the buyer as such and the conveyancer can sort of be left to do their legal work which they need to do but sometimes it can get a bit of friction between the two the estate agents might be chasing 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 poking and prodding why have you not done this yet this we need to do this it can get a bit of friction sometimes we always try and aim as a stage to have a good relationship with the conveyances because we need them to be on our side and we want to just get the transaction through what would you say the difference between online high street and diy estate agencies would be yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, it, especially in the last decade, especially, there are different types of estate agents available. So you got uh, the most popular one people know of is your high street estate agent. So you also have online uh, estate agents. Um, so you have names such as Purple Bricks, uh, Strikers, I believe is another one of them. And you've also got self-employed estate agents. These are like one-man bands, essentially. So they, they work for themselves, but they are the estate agents. So rather than working for a brand, they work for themselves. The difference is really, so a high street estate agent and a online estate agent, one thing they both have in common is they both, and, and a self-employed, sorry, is they all have the ability to advertise your property on the right move, on Zoopla, on the market, and different property portals. They will also be there to, depending on what sort of deal you have with them. Most high street agents, for example, they'll be happy to conduct viewings on your behalf. Their online stages, depending if you have a local contact, they may conduct viewings for you, but they may say as part of the deal, you'll have to do your own viewings. So it's a bit of a time saver there. A self-employed stage will do the viewings as well. So I guess, is it to do with some... Online estate agents will allow you to do packages. Like it's not completely DIY, but some of it you do yourself. Correct, correct. Yes. So, yeah, depending on the online estate agent, some will say we'll have a local person around in the area to do viewings for you. But if you could take the cheaper package, for example, they what they will only do is they'll only put your property on right move and super etc that's kind of all they'll do to point some might even negotiate on offers for you but some won't so it's always quite important to have a look at what's involved in your package but more often than not a high street estate agent or a self-employed estate agent they generally charge 
a bit more than a online estate agent but that's because of the perks you get if that makes sense so yeah there are there are key differences but it's all it's all money at the end of the day online stages are generally cheaper a high street stage is a bit more however you do get that more of a personal interaction with your estate agent and i suppose for some viewers i mean maybe even for sellers as well they feel a bit awkward negotiating their own property with someone like having an estate agent as a person in the middle sometimes makes people a bit more comfortable 100%, 100%, because it's like with anything really, a third person perspective is always sometimes the best perspective. And when you are doing your own negotiation, too much emotion can be involved as the example. Ultimately, you want an expert to deal with that part, not just in negotiation, but someone who knows the market, who knows the product, i.e. the house, what the value is and what comparables are around the area. They have that market knowledge basically to, to help steer and guide the negotiation so it would be successful overall. So I would always advise people to not do the negotiation themselves. As I say, the staging job is to vet the customers as well so that they have to make sure that they are procedable, they have the finances in place, if they have a property to sell or not, if there's a chain involved, for example, if Mr. Smith has offered on your house, He's offered the asking price. It looks fantastic, great. But then you find out there's a chain blowing of people buying Mr. Smith's house. Then there's people buying this house, this house. This is what we call chain. It's quite vulnerable, if that makes sense. So that's the stage of jobs to vet the customer and to sort of guide the owner of the house and say, right, okay, we've had these offers, X, Y, and Z. These people are receivable. These people are in the chain. These people are cash buyers. I think ultimately you should go for this one. So that is the stage of job, and that's quite important. So there are sometimes different pricing models at play between using an online estate agent and a traditional high street estate agent. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, you're spot on. With high street estate agents, they normally, with the most typical sort of package they offer, is they either offer a percentage to sell your property. So that uh, could be anything, for example, from 1%. could be a bit higher, could be a bit lower. So that's a percentage of the sale of the property. So if your property sold for um, £100,000, then the fee would be thousand pounds some agents do a fixed fee as well so let's just say whatever the property sells for you will pay us a, a fee of x upon completion so that's generally how a stage is but they don't get paid until the transaction is done which is quite a good thing because you know it's in there is the purpose of them to make sure the sale gets through because they're not going to get paid until the job gets done which is always a good incentive to have. With some online estate agents, they offer not only the same models, say a fixed fee or a percentage fee upon completion, but a good chunk of them do what we call upfront fees. It could be a thousand pound upfront, for example, but that's all you would pay. But that would be for your advertising, your marketing and everything else. So regardless of whether the property sells or not, you've already paid the estate agent, the online estate agent that money to pay for like a sort of package on that serve. It's two, it's two ways to go about it. The upfront fees are cheaper generally, but is there a guarantee that the job will get done and you'll pay for that job? There's no guarantee, unfortunately. So it's a, it's a personal circumstance of whether one feels comfortable to do. Yeah, as if buying a house isn't stressful enough when you're just buying a house, let alone when you're trying to sell one. I'm, I'm, I'm sure buying a house or selling a property, moving house is ranked on the top three or five most stressful life events going. So Yeah, I think it's just, un- I think it's literally divorce and then moving house. Yeah, I think That's it is. I think it's spot on. I think you're spot on. So yeah, trying to do a job that you're not actually qualified to do as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not recommended. I've seen I've seen people I've seen people do it a few times, and they literally just come running and said, "Look, I I, I need your help. Need you to do it." And we do it. 
It's just advertising. Going on for a stage, just advertising onto White Roof can cost thousands of pounds a month. It costs a lot, a lot of money. And you've got others, you've got Zoopla or the others. So it does cost a lot of money to advertise a property online. Are there quite a few properties that just go, you don't even make it to right move? Like if you've got a list already that you could kind of get them in there before it's even listed? Absolutely. This goes to my point of being a proactive estate agent. So what will happen is literally say a valuer will I walk into the office and say, right, okay, chaps, I have got a free bedroom house on Tristan Rose. It's going to be on for this price. This is the description of it. Things going to commence already because it does take a few days for so we need to get a professional photographer out to the property to draw a floor plan, to draw a nice brochure description, get loaded onto the internet. That takes time. It can take a day, might take a couple of days or longer. So in the background, in between that time of we've got the agreement here to sell this person's property, I'll be getting my team to right, get your applicant box out and call your people who match this property and say, we've got this property. It's not yet on the internet. Do you want to go and have a look? That's the benefit. And that's why you see some properties, as I say, not even reach right move. That is the sole reason. So would you recommend if you are looking, you should just go into your local high street, say hello and just sort of say, I am starting to look. This is what I'm looking for and get put on a list. Is that the best way to do it? Yep. Yeah, that is the best thing you can do. So when uh, you are happy and you're in a position to uh, say, go and view properties and you know what you could afford, ultimately go into a state agency. So you can either call them up or you can just walk in. For example, sit down to sit down to the stage for 10, 15 minutes. They will register you. They'll ask you all your questions, what you're looking for, any point you compromise on. Their job is to learn more about you and to see what they've got for you, their stock ultimately. And they'll ask if you want to be added onto a mailing list for properties that say, for example, between 300, 400,000, three bedrooms minimum, and get onto the mailing list and get into their um, applicant box. As I say, that is the best way. When you're in a position to go to an estate agent and say, oh, I want to be in your, in your box. <laughs> How would you recommend people choose an estate agent because they might have you know, a bunch locally? Or like online, how how would you pick which estate agent you want to use? As in what to sell your property? As, as a seller, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a very, very good question. So ultimately, you need to shop around. So when you come to a time you decide you want to sell your property, you want to get an average of, say, two to three valuations. Reason for those two to three valuations is to give you a good range. As I said before, the estate agent will come around and they'll give you their humble opinion of what the property should be advertised at. So you want to get three valuations, two or three, to give you a good range of what you think the property value is worth from three different people. So that's always a good first start to have. Look at Rightmove and Zoopla in your area. See what estate agents' names pop up the most, for example. There might be one you recognise that's come up more than anything else. Same again in your neighbourhood. Look around, see what boards you can see. You can see many sold boards with this particular agent. You think there's something that they're doing good on. Ask recommendations, friends, family. See what their experience has been like with said estate agent and see if they recommend them again. And uh, most importantly, as it, as it is for any business now, is online reviews, read reviews. See what people have thought as a buyer, as a seller, and what uh, their experience has been like with the estate agent. I think a lot of first-time buyers, especially, you know, you see a price listed and you think, oh, that's the price, or or you don't want to be too cheeky, or, you know, you don't really know where to sort of base an offer. Is there any way to kind of, because I guess if you go in too low, that's going to be almost offensive to the seller. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very difficult one, and it is the art of negotiation. Buying a house is almost like buying a car. You're buying it with emotion, if that makes sense. You're buying it because you really, really want that car. You really, really want that house. So it all comes down to how much you want that property, how desperate you are for it, and you just want to claim it. So there's no harm in negotiating sensibly, if that makes sense. So let's just say a property's on for. £200,000, for example, as a guide price, there would be no harm in saying, I'd like to put an offer forward of £190,000. Fedder might say yes, Fedder might say no. If they say no, the buyer can ask the estate agent such a seller, well, what could we do? Can we beat hands in the middle? So you can try and negotiate something to meet your peace in the middle. The estate agent might turn around and be quite blunt and say, no, he only wants over £200,000. You always got to remember, being a buyer, the estate agent is acting in favour of the, the seller. They want to achieve the most money possible. So that's sometimes you've got to be quite cautious with. As you said, Andy, you don't, you never really want to offend people in the transaction by offering, I say, 100 grand or 50 grand under the price. So in some cases, you want to be sensible. You want to show you're serious, but you want to say, well, come on, let's to and fro. Let's try and make a deal from there. But if you are actually besotted with this property, you see it's very popular, um, you think it's going to be popular, and you don't want to dilly-dally around, go with your heart off the asking price. But it's always a difficult, difficult line to find the line. It's always a difficult one to get right because it's all down to one circumstances, how much they want the property. But there's always, I would say, there's never, ever any harm in trying to negotiate. It's, it's always a bit uncomfortable. Some people thrive in it. Some people are quite uncomfortable doing it because I think we're used to in this country. What if you go to the supermarket, you can't negotiate how much a bar of chocolate is. It is what it says in the tin. Unless you go to another country, you might be able to haggle how much that chocolate bar's worth. I think that's the culture we're used used to in this country but there's absolutely no harm in trying to negotiate on a property i'd say a sensible reduction of what the value of their house is is yeah say two hundred thousand pounds you can even try one hundred eighty-five thousand or 190 just something a bit under then you can sort of negotiate and shake hands well, i suppose you can also because your estate agent will be able to tell you how many other people are interested you know i suppose yeah if they've had other offers you want to go up and if maybe it's been on the market for a while and there's been no offers then you can go yeah you've got to speak to your estate agent and let them sort of give you a sense of what the seller might be up for yeah yeah absolutely i think unfortunately the estate agent has got a bit, a bit of a stigma unfortunately never trust an estate agent i think it's been around for many 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 years the estate agent's always going to say oh we've got I've got loads of people viewed this house to try and create that urgency from you. They might not have anything inspected in the house for a week, but they might just say, yeah, we've got quite a few people interested to try and sort of encourage and be speedy on your decision and, and get an offer out there. That's one sticker out there. But if the property isn't getting much interest, what the station should do is should be going back to the seller and saying, look, we've tried it at this price. Market has changed. We're not getting as much interest as we wanted. I think we need to reduce the, the price to try and uh, drum up some more interest. So that, that 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 that's what should happen. To answer your question regarding other offers, it's down to the vendor ultimately. The estate should never really disclose what other people have offered to you. That can be seen in some, in some circumstances as a conflict of uh, of interest. As I said, the estate agency act is there to give everyone a fair crack of the whip for both buyers and sellers. But if you're instructed to say, for example, the seller could say, look, if an offer comes in, say under £200,000, reject it on my behalf. I don't want to be interested in it. Only ascertain offers that are over this amount. We take the vendor's instructions. So how do you make an offer to an estate agent if you found a property you want to buy? 
Absolutely. So when you do make an offer, when you want to make an offer on a property, there's a few things you should do. So firstly, do your homework, essentially. Go to Rightmove, for example, see other comparables in the area just to get an idea of what things are going for just by your own judgment. Second of all, you want to make sure that your finances are in place, which is quite important because it brings up your sort of position of power to make an offer and how serious you are. I'm going to give you an example of somebody makes an offer and they have an agreement in principle already in place with a mortgage broker compared to someone who needs a mortgage but hasn't seen a broker, for example, while the mortgage is always going to be favourable, procedural essentially. Once uh, you have those two things sort of ready, you've got a number in your head of where you want to make an offer. This can be done in all sort of, sorts of ways. It can be done over the phone. It could be face-to-face with the estate agent. You could even do it by text. I've had that before in my past or in letter or writing. You could even do fax if that's the use fax which is my doubt too now, and you submit that offer to the estate agent. And the estate agent has a legal obligation to put that offer in writing, not only to you, but also to the vendor, i.e. the owner of the house, which they have to do in a reasonable time period. Once that offer is put forward, that's kind of what you need to do, if that makes sense. And then you just await further instructions from the estate agent, whether the offer has been accepted, rejected, or they counter offer you to try and be in the middle. We've got a lot of things on Really Moving that can help people who are, I mean, first-time buyers and sellers. We've actually got a really great property viewing checklist on the site. So if anyone is looking around properties and doesn't know what to ask or what to keep an eye out for. There's some really good stuff on there. Callum, is there anything you would say that Really Moving can help with? Massively so. So if you're a very happy buyer and you have got an offer accepted, get onto reallymoving.com and find your conveyancer, whether it be online or local to you. Use Really Moving to find the best deal for you to get a solicitor to get the ball rolling and hopefully get that big completion date so you can move into your uh, new home. As Andy mentioned, the checklist is available as well. There's always bits and bobs that anyone can miss out, whether it's moving home tips and stuff like that, your removals, your surveys, everything reallymoving.com has the tools and resources there to give you all the bits and bobs you need to know to move home. So get on to rigidmoving.com, compare quotes and save money. Amazing. Thank you, Callum. Not a problem. So once again, thank you for joining us on another episode of Make Your Move. There were lots of things in that chat that were really valuable. What did you guys learn about that you didn't know before about estate agents? Lisa, I guess we'll start with you. Um... I think something that I took away from it was the fact that you should really speak to a mortgage broker about financial options instead of just your local bank because they're all competing against each other, which is a nice bit of advice that I shall take with me. Cool. Yeah, I think what I took away the most is that estate agents are assessing you just as much as mortgage brokers or anyone is about like whether you are a suitable for the house which I never really thought about I thought they were just there to sell it whatever but you know having to be on the ball with like making sure you are a good applicant is something that I didn't think about in regards to estate agents as well. I thought that was really, really useful. When I bought my flat, the estate agent was the most helpful person in the process. And I think I'd gone in with like really, perhaps not very nice expectations of what estate agents were like, or that they were going to try and sell me stuff all the time. And and actually, she was the one person who like knew what everyone was doing and actually called me to keep in touch and like keep everything moving along. So I was really, really grateful for that. Um, I thought it was interesting that it's really the estate agent that has to get it over the line a lot of the time. So because often they don't get paid until they get the sale through, they are really dedicated to making that happen. So actually having an estate agent on your side, either as a buyer or a seller, is a real win.
So before we finish this episode, we promised you a little surprise. This is part of our brand new segment called Really Quizzical. And this week we're going to include the property listings quiz. So property jargon can be a total puzzle, sometimes a bit misleading and at worst completely impossible to decipher. To see how much we know, I am going to read out some estate agent phrases from property listings and Jez and Lisa can see if they can translate. Let's see how we go. And if you want to join in, let us know how many you got. So we are going to play the property listings quiz. I'm going to read the little phrase and you guys are going to guess what they actually means. So are we ready? Yes. In need of modernization. It's falling apart because of age. Good answer. Yes. Am I right? Yes. I would have said old and crap. Yes. <laughs> okay. Ideal as a first home. Um, it's it's new and crap. <laughs> Probably has a lot of issues that haven't been found yet. <laughs> new builds, I guess. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I thought it was going to say that it has no storage. <laughs> ah, it's teeny. Yeah, I suppose that's also true. But I mean, nowadays, people's first home is, is when they have five kids and two husbands. Yeah. <laughs> Grouped together. <laughs> so, <laughs> well appointed. I have no idea. I genuinely am so confused by this one. Well appointed. Does that mean it's in a good does that mean it's in a good area? Like it's appointed to a, a good spot. Oh, it just means it's been decorated well. Oh. What a weird way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> Why not just say well decorated? These people are weird. Um vintage charm. Oh. It's out of date in terms of aesthetics. One of those like seventies concrete buildings that is like freezing. Could also be crumbling <laughs> or cramped. Um, lots of potential. Uh, that means it means that it has probably fixing up to do, and it could be a very nice building if it didn't have cracks in the walls and no insulation, and um, probably a horrendously coloured door. <laughs> you've been listening to make your move the podcast here to make moving simple we hope you found this episode useful but as always everyone's situations are different so make sure to do your own research before making your move. Make Your Move is brought to you by Really Moving, the price comparison site for moving home services. If you have any experiences or questions you'd like to share or ask that might be put on a later episode, please email us at podcast at See you on the next episode.